Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, everybody? Episode 65. Nick, I think we need to go back a few episodes. Steal your intro. Plug it in here. It is now episode 65. Everybody, I've been kicked off doing intros because I never remember what week it is. And so we're just going to let Matt do all the intros from now on. (laughs) Evan's in studio. Say hi, Evan. Hey, how's it going, everyone? All right, Statmando. That is Evan from Statmando. Um, Nick, Halloween just took place. My kids went around and got some candy. Uh, Evan just brought this up right, like right literally 10 seconds before we went live so we're gonna hit it uh evan what'd you ask us if you guys had to dress up as uh someone in the disc golf world for halloween who would it be <laughs> wait tell them who you said first i said i would be jeff corns like all i need is a disc craft polo and then just to follow around someone dressed up as adam hammis and i am all set <laughs> but my number and two there you go. No, my number jeff two corns. costume i just need to take your hat uh matt and I'll be Jeff, uh, oh, Jeff Spring. Jeff Spring. Yeah. yeah. You, could do, you could do Jeff one Spring. Of those, one of those like broad shoulder guys yeah. with a beard. Like that's. <laughs> so I pick yeah. Matty O, Matt Orm. I think he could be pulled oh, off be a as a Halloween one. character. Uh, my name's already Matt, but sunglasses and just be like all the time, roll tie. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, how about you? Did you come up with one? Uh, I think I would do, I think it'd be kind of funny. You know how they sell those like, um, armbands that have all the tattoos on them i would literally just get four of those for my two legs my two arms and dress up as drew gibson i would also i'd have i'd have to shrink myself a little bit but just get a nice player sunglasses and i'd have to grow out a beard which i can't do but yeah it'd be fun there's definitely characters out there i mean i say characters like iconic in appearance if you could grow out your hair like nico did back in the day you could be like vintage nico or um zach melton James Conrad might take a while, but you can buy those wigs. I did see someone dress up as <laughs> Zach Melton. Uh, I mean, I saw mm-hmm. it came up on my Twitter feed from him retweeting it or something. So you just need an afro and some uh, Mavericks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Nick hates to have us do it, but we're starting right out with a hot topic tonight. We're not good at our hot takes, so this should be pretty funny to look back on. Uh, but we're doing our end of the season predictions for next season before we're even there. So this one is kind of based on what we're going to say is who's too high right now. And I don't mean that um, any other way. Oh, my computer's trying to crash. Great. (laughs) Hold on. I think it's going. I think we're recording, but it's trying to crash. So here we go. Uh, What I mean by this is in your top 20. um, Well, now that's what happened. Oh, no. Hold out here. Here we go. In In the top 20 of Disc Golf Pro Tour standings, okay, at the end of the 2021 season, we have a list of players. Uh, I'm just going to give you the top 10 because you expect them to be there. Ricky, Eagle, Calvin, Paul, Adam Hammes, Kyle Klein, Kevin Jones, James Conrad. Okay. Um, and I guess we have to go Nico LaCastro and Chris Dickerson being the 10th. Those ones are probably going to stay there at some level. Here's what I'm going to say. Are they too high? What that means is next year, are they going to place outside of top 20? Okay. The top 20 this year. Are any of them going to place out of the top 20 next year? And if that's the case, that means we think they're too high ending this year. Okay. And and that's not fair. They placed there this year. So it's not a, it's not a basis for this year. Did they place too high, but are they too high going into 2022? So (laughs) putting you guys on the spot, uh, I feel like our answers are going to come out of the ranked 10 to 20 from this year. 
because I don't think anyone in the top 10 is going to, but let's open it up for conversation. Nick, if you had to pick, do you have that list in front of you? So I'm actually, I'm using the UDISC uh, world rankings that they have. So my, let's see, my top 10 is Ricky, Paul, Eagle, Chris Dickerson, Calvin Heinberg, Cockline, Adam Hammes, Matt Oram, Nate Sexton, Drew Gibson. That's the top 10 that I have. Um, your top seven players in that, or I should say six out of seven players in that category uh, for the top spots, all won an Elite Series event this year. Calvin was the only one who didn't win an Elite Series, but he won a Silver Series. Uh, but I will take Matthew Oram, Nate Sexton. I would put them out of the top 10. I would put two other people in the top 10. I'm not really sure yet who I would do, who, um, but I minute. do think they're a little, Go where's, ahead. where's Nate Sexton? He's didn't even finish in the top 20. Not for the, it has he didn't finish so in I'm the just on pro the tour standings. Rankings. Oh, you're in world yeah. rankings. I'm talking yeah. disc golf pro tour standings. I'll go, I'll go pro tour standings. Give me a second. Because um, world rankings, I feel like is going to be different. I feel like it's harder in my opinion. And Evan stat guy here can talk about it. It's harder to be bumped out of the world rankings then it would be the disc golf pro tour standings because those kind of refresh every year. So if you perform well, you should be there. I don't know. Maybe it I'm depends on how much you yeah. play. Like, like Sexton took a lot of the second half of the year off. Cause he's staying home. Yeah. Uh, so but, um, you can't, Evan, you go points. first. While I pull oh, up right. The right. You can't lose tour. points. So here, here's where I'll go with this. I'll give you my picks and I don't want to go too hot. I fooled. I've made a fool of myself before. Um, if this isn't, are they going to place worse this year than, next year than this year it's are they going to place outside of the top 20 mm -hmm. i think kevin jones could be close to placing outside of the top 20 and so that's my like not hot take um i think he'll still be in the top 20 man i feel like in me andrew marweed is not going to be in the top 20 um i don't think because we're going all top 20 here uh, Gavin Rathbun, probably, I don't know what he's going to play this year, how he's going to play coming into 2022. Um, and then hate to do it, but like Joel Freeman, I felt like he had a great year and that's the only reason I'm picking on him because I felt like he had a great year. Um, those are my picks, I guess that's where I'm going with. So what do you got? Yeah. Nick? So I have your list now and I see the top 10 you're talking about, and I don't think any one of the top 10 would place outside of the top 20 next year. Right. So just I think skip. all of them are pretty solidified. You're right. Um, so just going skip down to the those list, 10 to 20. I could see Garrett Gerthy placing outside the top 20, Matt Bell, Gavin, uh, Yuli. I could see those guys placing outside of the top 20, depending on the year that they have, obviously. And then um, Joel plays sneaky good at a lot of tournaments. And so I see him staying at that 10 to 15 spot. Marweed had a, I would say actually a pretty incredible year. Um, and yeah. Matt Orm's a stud. The tournaments that Matt Orm went out and played this year, he did extremely well at. And so I keep him in it. But I would say if I'm if I'm to pick three people right now, it'd be Garrett, Matt Bell, and Gavin. Gavin Rathbone. Those are the three that I would say have probably the biggest potential of placing outside of the top 20 next year. Not saying that's going to happen, not trashing <laughs> any of their skills. I just think that out of all the top 20 players, those three are the ones that I would pick to kind of flip back and forth. Yeah. Nick, it's tough talking about your friends, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is. Cause it's like, you know, I'm, I'm decent buddies with, I, I don't know Gavin too well, but I'm decent buddies with Garrett. Um, I've never met like Andrew Marweed. 
Um, like, I, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with him, but like Garrett, I like Garrett a lot and his, his putting actually, I think putting percentages got better towards the end of the season and he's putting together some pretty incredible rounds. So depending on how his off season goes, will determine how next year is going to go. But those are the three that I would say, like I said before, would have the most kind of flip flop. All right. I'm going to give Evan an opportunity. We said a lot of names. Did any stand out to you that you agreed with or you disagreed with? I I think I agree with Matt Bell being outside the top 20. I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, I just top 20 is hard. It's getting harder every year. Uh, but also Jeremy Colling and Paul Yulabari, we love them again. I think they'll be in the tour championship next year. They'll be the top 32 or even higher if it expands. Uh, but top 20 is it's just a hard mark to get. I think out of the top 10, like, I think Nico's most likely, but I still I still think he's there. I think he's still top of this game. Okay, so here's the fun part of this. You only said Nick how many? Like three people, maybe that might place yeah. outside of top twenty. And I said I think three. Yeah. I said I brought up you know Kevin Jones. I think he'll be in top twenty. I'm just feeling like it's it's hard as Evan said. And then Evan said one or two. Here's the fun part, Nick. How many of people that are outside of top twenty do you think are going to make it into the top twenty this year? Now that if it's more than what you just said, then we've got to <laughs> knock out more people. And yeah. here's my list. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gannon Burr, I think will make top twenty. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. it sounds kind of easy. I'm just going to go down the list here. Um, but Gannon Burr, <sighs> see, it gets tough. I'm going to say two real quick. Uh, Simon Lazat and Nate Sexton, just because they didn't play a lot of events. Good call. So I think mm. they're still at the top of their game, just hopefully healthy and able to travel. Oh, man. Is Kale going to play more? If Kale is, then I would put him there. Um, it comes down to, yeah, like on the road, are they going to play more? Is Brody yeah, Smith going to do it? It really all just depends on how many events that they're planning on playing next year. And these are all players, like, if you go down to the top 40 players, realistically, like, a good majority of them have a chance to get up into that 25 to 30, uh, 25, or excuse me, 15 to 20 spot. Um, but Simon, I think, is a great one. Nate Sexton, depending on how much he decides to travel next year. Um, and then Nathan Queen had a pretty great end of the season, showed that he can compete very, very well. I think he's someone that could maybe squeak in there but i do uh the gannon burr um pick that you did matt i thought it was a great pick same thing though depending on how much super touring, hot take like <laughs> is he still is he still in high school like that's where it's like how, how many events can he actually go out and play and that's where that's where it gets kind of tough and same thing with like cole Radon, dude, who we're having on the show in just a little bit i mean what? he's he's an incredible player played great at ledgestone but how many events can he actually make it out to but didn't isn't um we interviewed him, Gannon Burr. Wasn't he homeschooled? I think he I was remember. homeschooled, so he was able to do stuff like on the road and everything. So like he hit yeah, up a maybe. fair amount of events. Statman was here. We could probably figure it out. It looks like he probably mm -hmm. hit up seven, eight, nine events, something in that range. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't that hot of a take. He took 21st this year, and that was with not hitting every event. Um, yeah, and then he exactly. played really well in the finals. I expect to see him there. Um, mm -hmm. but names like Emerson Keith, Ben Calloway, um, is Nathan Queen going to do something? Is Anthony Barella going to somehow straighten up and actually like bring all the amazing talent that he has yeah. and put it together professionally? That would be epic. Again, I mentioned Kayla LaVisca. We saw a lot yeah. out of Corey Ellis. Um, I mean, Luke Sampson is someone who I think could just put it together one year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think especially we had, a, I, I would say we had more new touring players this year 
getting out onto the road than we have in years past. There were definitely a lot more names getting out there. There were so many different people winning stuff this year that players like Corey, who now have seen most of the tour courses and other players who haven't seen them before in the past now are going into, okay, this is my second or third time playing this event. This is my second or third time playing these courses. I kind of have a general idea rather than, okay, I have three days to figure out three different courses. Like when I went out to Vegas early this year, it was like, all right, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I got to play these three different courses, learn them all. And boom, Thursday through Sunday, I'm playing disc golf at a tournament for these courses going to Vegas next year. I'll have a little bit better of an idea of, okay, my game's changed in this way, but now I know the course already. So it's more just focusing what discs do I want to throw per shot. Um, and the players out there who are a lot better than I am, have an easier time adjusting to all of that. So I think, like I just said, I think a majority of the players now that are going to do a second or third year of touring, Ben Calloway, depending on how much he tours next year, he made a great name for himself throughout a couple different events, got on the lead card a couple times. What's going to happen next year? It really, it's, it's tough because not everyone has kind of released their elite series schedule yet. I know Paul did. I don't know how many other players have. I think they were kind of waiting for the silver series stuff to come out, which it just did. Um, but that, that'll be a big determining factor of who we really want to put in and out of this conversation. Yeah. And I, I want to touch really quickly on the fact that we just didn't discuss FPO there. And there's kind of a reason for that. And, and maybe we should just talk about it this way. I think FPO is too, I don't know if volatile is the right word. And I just kept Nick's camera up too long. <laughs> I don't know if it volatile is <laughs> the right word, but we talked about parody nonstop and people are like, stop using the word parody. So many different FPO top performers and we couldn't do the top 20 in this situation, maybe the top 10. And if that's the case, who's too high in the top 10? I, sheesh, I don't know if I'm ready to move anybody out of there, uh, but anybody has potential to get in there. I, that's not a horrible take. Nick, do you have any thoughts on that for FPO? I'm just looking at the list really quick. I think if Juliana Corver goes out and travels to all the events next year, I think she definitely has a very, very good shot of making the top 10, especially going into the more of the East Coast swing. Um, Deanne Carey played great. She's in that 10th spot right now. Owen Scoggins, depending, same thing, depending on how many events she decides to play. Valerie um, Mandahano. Um, don't forget to scroll down. Kristen too. Tatar. Kristen Tatar. Oh, exactly. yeah. Coming She's, to the U.S. So yep, we just listed, yep. and I'm just going to stop it right there. We just listed four or five FPO that we're saying mm -hmm. could make top 10. So, Nick, we have to do it. it. You don't have to say for sure, but you have to say who are the names in the top 10 FPO that would be bumped out four or five of them. And I'm going to give you my list. It's Sarah Hokum. It's Jessica Weiss. It's, I hate to do this. It's Kona. Lisa Fakus, and I think that was three. If it was three or four, here's Heather Young, possibly. Yeah. I had to do it. If I think those four could make it in, four have to pop out. Like it's the only way to make mm -hmm. top ten, unless there's ties. So I'll I'll take out two and put in two. I would say for potential players who might not make it into that top ten next year would be for me Jessica Weiss and Lisa Fakus, and players that I would put in would be Juliana Corver and Valerie Mandahano with Alexis being very close to that as well, depending, same thing. It all depends on how many events they want to go out and play next year. Um, but yeah, those would be my two to three players who I would move I, back and forth. I think, I think, oh, I think Deanne Carey drops down to like 11 or 12 and that's it. I think the rest mm -hmm. of the top 10 staying, I think Hokum especially. No, Kristen. She, I think Kristen moves up into the top 10. Okay. So Kristen's oh, the yeah, only I, one to come into the top yeah. 10. 
and so Deanne's the only one to leave. Wow. I, th- I think Hokum, she might she might not win an event. She actually hasn't won an elite event since like twenty eight. But she's stable. But she will finish top five consistently, top ten almost every time. But and now I didn't think we were gonna actually talk about it. I was like, eh, it, there's it's too volatile. But like Valerie Mandahano, Alexis Mandahano, like Kristen Tatar. I'm saying the names over like again. Ella Hansen. Right now looking at that list. Ella yeah. Hansen, like, is she gonna make a big move this year? Maria Oliva too. I know. So I, I think all those will kind of fit the ten to fifteen spot. Okay. It's just a matter of some, if they play all their events. It's a big chance, but like even like Jessica Weiss and Lika Fake, Lisa Fakus, you think they might pop out with the kind of the younger uh, crew coming in, but they're just so consistent still. So, man, all right. Well, I'm glad we brought that up. Uh, someone in the chat, I don't know if if they're the the uh, professional. Oh, we didn't even matter. mention Evelina Selenin. <laughs> she didn't play any events this year in the U.S. <laughs> assuming, <laughs> assuming over, we can yeah. make it and assuming, everything's yeah. back to normal, yeah. nor, quote unquote normal. Um, someone in the chat. Is that huge bonus or huge bonus? <laughs> Either way, hey Americans, it is pronounced Christine Tatar. Is it Christine? Oh, you know what? I saw her in the latitude video and heard Christine and thought he said it wrong. Wow. Okay, but we're American. he probably said it right because obviously he <laughs> so, works for latitude. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in my own defense really quick. I have hung out with Silver and Kristen or christine i've never heard her calls christine i'm just gonna be well, brutally honest and it's I, possible I've hung out with them it's yeah. possible they don't it, correct us because it's the american way to say it that's very possible yeah, i mean they're yeah, being yeah. polite and, i mean if if it is then i feel bad this whole time but i know hannah and her are very close friends and i've never heard her say christine so I'm just going to say that. I, I have no idea. But same thing. It's a gyro, not gyro. <laughs> it's a gyro. <laughs> um, yeah, so if that's the case, I apologize. Although it is funny, and it is funny to hear uh, Americans' names get pronounced overseas, too. I love it, right? You know, however they say even Paul McBeth. Paul McBeth. <laughs> it's like, it, I don't know. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. I yeah. love accents. There's no harm, no foul there. As... Um, our famous celebrity chef uh, said a couple weeks ago, you can say it how it pronounced in your country if you'd like to. I guess names are a little different than like food yeah. names. But if next time, next time I see her, if she corrects me on it, I hope she does. I uh, I would feel bad not calling someone by their name. It's like if you were to say Nate Queen <laughs> instead of Nathan Queen. That's how it is. That is his name, and I want to correctly pronounce people's names. So that'd be nice. All right. I think we've made it to the point in the show people were waiting for. They saw the name in the list in the title. Um, he goes by Cole. I believe I'm saying this correctly. Ridolin. Uh, I, I believe so. I've heard people mess it up. And I think that's accurate. 17 years old. Earlier this year, he was 16 years old. Um, let's talk. Let's talk to him. Let's get to know him. His name. Cole Ridolin. Let's bring him in. What's up, Cole? We got this cool intro music. We don't use it very often. Yeah, I was gonna say I think you're the first one who got intro music. Let me let me stop it. It's too long. All right, Uh, Cole, you're calling us from the West Coast. Is that correct? What state are you calling us from? Yeah, I'm in Oregon right now. Okay. Is this where you were? I feel like born. No, so I actually spent like the first nine years of my life in South Carolina, and then we moved out here in 2012 so and that i didn't find disc golf until i was out here so it was kind of sad i was like i was only like an hour from rock hill i was like oh i could have 
made it to all the climbo battles, but no, I didn't discover disc golf. So I'm about to Oregon. So nice. I was going to say, I feel like I see your name a lot when it comes to Oregon tournaments. And so I guess we can first start off by saying congratulations. She's just won an event this past weekend. You want to tell us about that? Where did you you. play? What did you play and all that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, it was kind of my first event on my own. Honestly, my mom is usually the one that travels with me to any event, but, um, no, is it in Eugene, Oregon. That's about two hours and 30 minutes south from where I am. So I packed up my car, went down there and kind of camped on my own for the weekend. Um, and it was a B tier is the resistance discs fall classic at camp serene disc golf course, beautiful disc golf course, uh, definitely wooded. And, uh, I think after the first round, I shot a good seven under second round, a good eight under. And I was six strokes back of Scott Withers, who is commandingly known as the best player in the Northwest, just, you know, eats up any B tier, any tournament he can in these States, a lot of respect. He sets a high standard for this game up here. So definitely pushes me to be better a lot, but, uh, I was down six by him going into the final round and, and within the first four holes of the round, I'd even lost another stroke. So I was seven back with 14 to play. And I was like, well, if anything's going to happen, it's got to happen now. And I hit an obstructed 60 footer out of the woods and got a stroke back. I'm like, okay, I think we can still do this. And so I put my head down and, uh, and got to work and I was able to pull it off. He, he ended up struggling. I had some good breaks go my way and, uh, I was able to close it out and win by one stroke. So that was incredible. It was easily my best one in my year. And, uh, I can definitely take a lot from that and believe in myself definitely more in the future. I know starting this off season, I worked a lot of tools into my bag. And so I felt really confident with those things coming down the stretch. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at your last round, it was, uh, 42 when it's a par 55. So you shot 13 down for a 1077 rated round while Scott only shot a thousand four rated round. So you definitely made, you made him nervous clearly. I mean, he, you know, whatever happened, <laughs> happened, but at the same time, right. you put up a 1077 rated final round, which I think is pretty huge in disc golf, the kind of like comeback right. story of, you know, that final round push. So that's pretty sweet. Was it more of like a technical wooded course or was it, you know, kind of bomber central? So yeah, I'm definitely known for throwing further, uh, especially in Oregon, but that course was definitely wooded. It was more 260 to 315 foot holes through the woods. So uh, I used my Z Raptors a lot. I used a crystal drone, uh, ESP zone. Like I just used those slower speeds, a buzz, use those slower speeds in the woods for control more than anything. So yeah, definitely shorter and wooded. So, well, and for people who, for people who might not know, he just listed off all Discraft discs. You are a yeah. tour team Discraft sponsor player, correct? I'm on, I'm on the core team for Discraft right now. Um, but yeah, I'm on, I'm on Discraft this year. Super stoked about it. They've done a lot for me. So, oh yeah. When you say this year, you mean this year, 2021? Yes. <laughs> no, no yeah. announcements yet for 2022. Okay. <clears throat> All right. No. No announcements. Because he did say for now, Nick, and that's why I just pointed it out. I'm not going to put him on the spot, but we'll see how that goes. Um, first of all, the chat is super excited to have you on. I think that's why they're here tonight. Uh, let's get let's get into some more topics of your play. You played seven Elite Series events this year, if my math is correct. I actually didn't use Statmando, but the funny thing is, Statmando comes into studio getting ready for the show, Evan, and I'm like, hey, I did some stats, ha, ha, ha. And he's like, dude, 
you, I could have just pulled that up for you in like seconds. And I was like, yeah, I had to like count my fingers and scroll things. And anyways, so we went through seven elite series and then two silver series events. So that sounds like a pretty full tour. Is that, was this your first full season touring? Yeah, it was my first full season touring. And uh, I think my first one was Vegas and last one being USDGC this year. But it was kind of off and on. We do what we could. Um, as, I mean, as far as kind of the low end of the sponsorship this year, just being my first year on Discraft and stuff like that, uh, money was a little tight. So we, we did what we could. My mom traveled with me. Um, but we made it out to the ones that were higher prioritized. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And it was an experience, experience I won't forget. Yeah, for those who are joining the stream or listening, you know, to the podcast in post, uh, you played LVC. Portland, D-Glow, Ledgestone, Idlewild, MVP, GMC, and then for your Silver Series, Resistance, uh, Disc Open, and Mid-America. You averaged 34th place across the Elite Series events. Uh, or actually, I think that might be all of them. That's across all of them, including the Silver Series. See, I need Stat Mando for something. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, your best finish was 7th at Ledgestone. Talk to us about Ledgestone. That seemed like if we can call it a, a a breakthrough type event that must have had some effect on your season, what was that like, and what was the event like? Yeah, that, I mean, obviously, I'm just gonna say that's the best event of my year. Uh, I think battling the adversity and the and the pressure, uh, playing on those cards on the disc golf network, and just you know getting my name out there, that was a pretty huge moment for me. And uh, I, I going into that tournament, I was honestly in kind of a slump i was like i didn't play that well at d glow and so i was just like well um, just trust your game if anything the first round where i shot well and got on chase card i shot a 10 um i was like going into that round my my whole game plan was i have no expectations for this no expectations for this event my game hasn't been feeling great so i'm just going to go out there and commit to every throw to the best of my ability and whatever happens happens and um yeah, I started seven under to the front nine. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I just, I was able to keep on the momentum from there. I think I took a bogey on 10, but right after that, I was like, all right, we're getting back on track. And so I finished strong that first round. And then ever since then, I'm like, okay, you can do this. And then the first hole, the second round, I threw my passion on hole one at uh, Northwoods, put it to 28 feet and hit that putt. I'm like, all right, we're here. Or it's game time so <clears throat> yeah that was a heck of an experience uh but especially for a course like northwoods black i was like well this is obviously one of the hardest courses on tour and if you're going to prove yourself it's, it's going to be on a course like this um, where a lot of players a lot of players struggled on that track and i was like well just get your pars you know attack when you need to and stay in the fairway uh you don't really need distance drivers for that course so i, I was just like all right stick to your buzzes and the, the new Paige Pierce passion, that was a huge, huge advantage for that course. So I, I was aggressive when I needed to be and safe when I needed to be. But mm -hmm. that was my entire game plan was no expectations and just keep committing to every shot. And now was that kind of also the mindset coming into your first big year of touring? Was it, okay, I have expectations, but they're not like set super high? Or did you, what were your goals coming out this season? Well, I'm just going to say I've already exceeded my expectations because um, yeah, seven that Ledgestone was incredible. And mm -hmm. I, I know for a lot of the top guys, it's you know, that's an average day on the course for them. But as far as me, you know, first day on tour or first year on tour, 
uh, it, it felt incredible. I was like, okay, maybe we can squeak out a top 20 finish this year, <laughs> or, or maybe we can um, pull something together. But I think my, my goals for the end of the year were, were 1020 rating. I wanted to get to 1020 up 10, 1019 right now, but I just averaged 1038 at my last event. So hopefully that will bump up. Um, but other than that, that was my only expectation. I was just like, well, we're going to go out on tour. We're going to get my name out there and just gain experience. So, and hopefully keep a good attitude in the process. That's been a goal of mine. And when I don't do that, I get really discouraged, but also, you know, being able to learn from the mistakes as I move forward. So mm -hmm. I feel like what you're talking about <laughs> takes most people the most work in their disc golf game. You talked about a good attitude, positive attitude. Um, we saw players like Joel Freeman go and make like a whole video about it for his vlog about like his attitude and working on that. Um, you're 17 years old. You started playing. Did you say when you were 12? Is that correct? Or how old were you when you started playing? I was, I was 10, 10 years old. Okay. And in full disclosure, we, we were able to watch Cole compete up at smugglers notch. I believe that's accurate back when we were running us junior disc golf championship. Is that correct? And yes. And what was that experience like being able to perform at a high stage in the junior world? Were you already competing a lot before that? Or what was that like? Honestly, I mean, I, I don't know if I was playing open by then or not. I think that was like one of my last amateur events, but playing against juniors is honestly more, I feel like more pressure than playing against the older <laughs> guys because playing against juniors is like, I want to be the best junior out there. But you know, when you're playing against the older guys, nobody expects you to do anything. So it's just, you know, it's all or nothing. But uh, I think I literally averaged, I averaged like 30 points below my rating at us juniors. And that was really disappointing. And I only lost the tournament by one to uh, one of my buddies, Mikey Berenger, who lives in Washington. But uh, so that's kind of frustrating, but other than that, I, it was, it was cool playing against the juniors. I know I haven't ever made it out to junior worlds, but that event was great and definitely earned my appreciation for smugs. I've always loved smugs. I really love that property. So, yeah, I've, I've said it a million times. That's my favorite property to go to and play disc golf, especially for that tournament. Absolutely love it. Um, Matt was just bringing you up. You are one of the younger guys on tour. What, how, like, what is your practice regimen? Like, like you're still going to school right now. Do you playing just around after school? You doing putting practice? Like how are you getting to where you're at? So I'm actually homeschooled right now. Uh, I heard you guys earlier on the show say how Gannon was homeschooled. I don't think Gannon is homeschooled. Okay. I, I've talked to him. I don't think he is. I think he goes to public school. But for me, I am I am homeschooled. I do just textbooks I read and answer questions as my school. Um, but it's really nice to have that flexibility. So I actually didn't even start school until after USDGC because my mom was like, all right, we're going to focus and get through the season and then you can do school. And I'm actually on track to graduate early. So if I can really get things done, I could even graduate the week before Vegas starts. So that would be ideal. Um, but yeah, as far as practice regimen and stuff goes, I play when I can. If, if it's the beautiful day outside, I'll go outside and play. Um, I try to practice, but every day, if I remember to or I can. Um, it's, I mean, it's in Oregon, it feels like 200 days of rain, 200 days. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's, it's cold and rainy in the wintertime. So right now it's like grind out a rain round when nobody else is. And that's where I feel like I get my most advantage. So right now it's just, I don't play when I can. And when I'm inside, I'm doing school or go. hanging out with friends. So, so 
I feel I just want to ask because we're seeing so many more younger players come up. You mentioned Gannon, um, yourself, um, names like Casey White. Obviously, he's, he's in his 20s now. But the point is we're seeing these younger players come up. You're one of them. Nick just asked you a great question about practice. You talked about like you push the whole school season till later so you could focus on the the touring season. Um, you're taking it really seriously. Uh, and that's professional. I think very professional of yourself at this age. Can I ask, like, what kind of pressure do you have on yourself? What's your mindset with disc golf? Is this a goal for your career and you're treating it as such? Or is this just for fun right now and you just want to do the best you can? Where's your mind at with this? With the way the way you're treating it says a lot about it. I'm I'm going all the way with it. I mean, I've always, even from a young age, I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. I've never really loved school. And so I'm like, well, you better get good at a sport or just, or do something like that. So, I, I mean, at first it was, it was, uh, I think it was soccer and then baseball and then basketball. And so I've tried out a bunch of these sports, different sports. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm cut out for a team sport. I'm too much of a ball hog. So I just, <laughs> I, uh, I moved, I found disc golf and I was like, well, everything's in my control. I can do this. And I have that competitive mindset to where I don't like to lose. So if I can just, I knew if I just keep working hard and getting good at it, things will start going my way. And honestly, I've just, I've surpassed my expectations so much in this sport already to the point where I'm 17 and I'm, I'm playing at the top level that I can. So uh, yeah, definitely. I think I'm taking this sport to as my life, as my career. And, and that's where, I, that's what I want it to be next year. And and many years to come. So, I mean, as far as expectations for next year go, you know, I'd, I'd like to win a tournament next year. Like, that's just, I feel like if I can stick to a practice regimen and, and stay in my head properly and just learn the skills I need to learn, anything is possible. I mean, I don't think a lot of people expected Gannon to make it to the semifinals of the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship. Like, that's huge. And, mm -hmm. and he's, I think he's still 16. So, um, anything is possible, no matter what age, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. So mm -hmm. who, who are the other, the young guns out there? Cade Philomahala, I think is his name and who have hit up tour events. Do you know any others that are in the 16 to 17 year old range? So, uh, my good friend, Ty Love, he is out in central Oregon. He's only like three and a half hours from me. So he's like one of my best friends out here, but yeah, Ty is definitely big. He's coming, he's coming for gold. Uh, there's more kids in Washington, Broston Law, Kai Kim, um, Silas Sanderson. There's Mikey, like there's a bunch of juniors in Washington that, you know, cheer me on. Uh, do you think this is the future? It sounds obvious, but do you think this is the future? Like everyone who's coming up your age group, are you guys going to be the ones taking it down in the next year or two? I think we're the future and, and honestly the now, like, I mean, me, I mean, me and Gannon are, I, I feel like kind of paving the way for it, but like, there's a lot of, but I feel like there's also a lot of like Evan Scott just won AM worlds. Um, like a lot of these kids are, and I think a, another kid just won the next gen championship. So like <laughs> literally kids are taking over the world right now. <laughs> it's just like, I, I, I feel like we are the now though. Like, yeah. honestly, I feel like, you know, we are the future. Definitely. But right now, I mean, we're still out there and killing it. And it's just a matter of other kids having their parents' support to be able to do that. I'm very mm -hmm. lucky. My parents have given me so much. I couldn't be thank more thankful. So, 
I think that's one of the really, really cool things about disc golf right now is because you do have the young gun generation coming up and playing incredibly well. Um, yourself, Gannon, all these different players who are making big, big names for themselves. But then you still have the players who have been in the game for a while, like the Nate Sexton and, you know, the Paul Macbeth, the Simon Lazat, who they're a little bit older, but they're still out competing at every single event and they're still playing really well. So I think that's what's cool about disc golf is that right now it's like, what's the what's the prime age of being a disc golfer? And you can almost look at it like 17 to 32 are there's great players in every single one of those age brackets right there. Um, but definitely the future generation. I mean, I think with the way the 2021 season went this year, the now is so many different people six years ago, the now was Ricky and Paul and that was it. And then you had a year where it was Ricky Paul and Eagle. And then now you have, you know, the Rickies, the Kyles, the Simons, uh, or excuse me, the Pauls, the Eagles. It's so many different people. Adam Hammes are out there just kicking butt at a lot of these events. Right. And I want to say I support very much the sentiment that you said, Cole, and I'm just throwing it back to kids disc golf when we hosted us juniors and when we ran other events that we did and we tried to put the limelight on everything you were doing as junior players, our, our motto, our phrase was the future is now as in like these kids are doing things now that we don't have to wait for. And I love that you just said that you're like, no, like we're doing it right now. And we're seeing that like your performance at Ledgestone, just to put a spotlight on that. Um, that is totally excellent. Um, do you want to hear some interesting stats that stat Mando might've came up for you, uh, in your performances? You interested in that? Sure. I hope they're good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he wouldn't throw you under the bus here, but we did throw him a curveball. stat Mando sat down in the room, Evan, and we said, Evan, give us some, um, Cole red Redolin. Is it Redolin? It is Redolin. All right, yes, good. Cole Real quick side note. Apparently we were being trolled, Nick, on the Kristen Tatar. Someone said they're trolling. You, I kind of, so. I kind of figured I was literally, I'm like, I've hung out with Kristen a, a decent amount and no one's ever said anything. And then they if were there all... was someone who would want to like give me a hard time, it would have been silver. And then they were busting us on Cole. They're like, it's, it's all, they were giving us all these spelling fun. Anyways, I appreciate yeah. the chat tonight. They're hilarious. Okay. Evan, go ahead and give us some stats. Let's see what, what Evan thinks. I mean, what Cole thinks. Well, you shot a 1077 rated uh, final round to uh, take the win last weekend. Uh, that was tied for your highest, uh, with your Ledgestone round one or round two. I already forget that, but from Ledgestone was 1077. Um, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, and then on top of that, um, your 1038, uh, event rating is your sixth highest of your career. Uh, your Ledgestone was actually fourth highest as well. Uh, your win at the battle at, uh, Horning's hideout, um, was your highest at a 1052. Um, this was your fourth open win, correct? Yes. Yeah. Three of them have all been against Scott Withers who finished second. So, uh, I mean, Scott Withers, the winningest player in Oregon has the most cash in Oregon by like a mile over anyone else. Uh, so that's pretty impressive to beat him. And if I'm counting it up, right, I believe the only three times you have beat Scott Withers have all resulted in a win for yourself. Uh, you do have two ties against him on the pro tour. Um, at Las Vegas and Portland this year. Wow. Is there something to be said for that? Every time you've won, you had to beat uh, Scott Withers. Well, I just want to say something real quick. I mean, I, look, I've, I think when I played an intermediate tournament back in 2017, I was playing a practice round. I'm like, wait, is that Scott Withers? There was like a whole 16 of the round. And I was like, whoa, that's Scott Withers. He's the best player in Oregon. And so he's, you know, he's obviously someone I've been watching for a while. And, 
and, and I've looked at, I've aspired to be that good. And honestly, I think that just shows how good you have to play in Oregon to beat him. I mean, if he's taking seventh when I'm taking first, that's because I'm averaging the best tournaments of my life <laughs> to beat him right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think my first one beating him, I averaged, yeah, 1052. Uh, I think even last year I averaged 1050 and still lost by eight strokes. And I beat third by eight strokes. Like, it's just, it's insane, the things you have to do out here. But I love it because it pushes me to be better. And, uh, I mean, obviously now it pushes him to be better. So, uh, but, yeah, Scott is someone that I've definitely had to keep in my, keep in the back of my mind every mm -hmm. event. There's a player like that actually out in Connecticut. His name is Bobby Copperthwaite, and he beat Paul right after Paul had just won his second Worlds at the Greater Hartford uh, Disc Golf Open out in, uh, I think it was Manchester, Connecticut. Um, but I remember the first time that I met him. Super cool dude, wicked nice. And then I remember the first time that I actually beat him, and I won the tournament. Ended up, same thing, I was down six strokes going into the second round, the final round, and ended up beating him by seven strokes that round to win it by one. And he was like, you know, we all joke it around. We call him the McBeast killer way back in the day. And so he was just, he was like that one person who I was like, okay, I finally beat him. Now I can, I can feel good about my disc golf game. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so we talked about Ledgestone and I, how that was such an incredible event. Um, I think we would be, you know, not good hosts if we didn't also bring up USCGC. And I don't want to bring it up in a bad way. I just want to say you did not perform to your standards, I would assume. What happened at USCGC? What was going through your head and all that? Yeah, so, yeah, that that, that tournament was definitely not, not ideal by any means. I really wanted to play well at that event. I qualified, and I was really excited. But at the same time, I think – you know you have to you have to learn that course to play it well i think it's a it's a it's a beast that a lot of people don't really think about they're like oh it's just another course on tour well no that stroke and distance rule can wreck you like mm -hmm. it is it is absolutely brutal and you need you got to make good decisions you got to play to the right sides of the fairways you got to take your medicine and lay up when you need to like there's a lot of strategy involved i was talking with drew gibson a little bit about it and he's like he took i mean of course he took like 22 ob strokes and still took fifth place and his like my game plan is i just run everything and i just know that ob's are gonna happen and so i just you know i just execute and i was like i took that going into my final round and i'm like and i shot one down i'm like mm, okay i think uh that's the game plan so no i definitely i definitely learned a lot from that week but definitely going to that tournament i didn't have any expectations at all i'm like just you know it's your first year on tour you made it to the big stage um you've already proved yourself enough so let's have some fun let's of course you know still keep trying still keep pushing and, and playing your best disc golf and but that was my only goal i think for that tournament it was more of a learning experience and something that uh i will always look back to i don't i don't i'm not embarrassed by that finish at all um, i think a lot of people can understand just someone like me coming up and 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 going through all of that um of course i'd like to play better but in the end you know I got a lot of time, so yeah, and a lot more USDGCs in the future. And look, a lot of people that would say, "Oh my gosh, what the hell was he doing at that tournament?" are people who did not qualify for that tournament. <laughs> and so that's one thing that I've always kind of thought was really special about USDGC was the qualifying aspect of it. Um, next year, we just got released the Elite Series schedule, the Silver Series schedule, A tier schedule. Have you been looking at how you want to navigate your tour next year? 
yeah so that's funny you asked that because literally 30 minutes before this my mom and I were going through a calendar um <laughs> but yeah next year you know I'd like to make it to all the elite series like I really want to I want to go out there and, and do this um definitely some silver series um yeah I, I I'm gonna play an A tier locally called the Kitsap Classic um, but for the most part, I think I'm going to try to make it to all the elite series, quite qualify for the tour championship. That's a goal for next year. Um, yeah, all the elite series. And then of course, some of the silver series. You never know. Next year's finale might be a $50,000 payout for first. I mean, it gets more and more valuable as you go. It's not a bad uh, goal to have. That's a great goal. Um, I'm truly inspired by performances like yours. Uh, we're really glad to have you on. We talked to you before the show and asked if you'd like to join us for stat or fiction. Are you still good to do that? Heck yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Let's get into it. Stat or fiction brought to you by <laughs> Stat Mando. Uh, Evan's in studio here. As you guys know, he's going to provide us with a stat and we have to decide if it is a true stat or if it's actually fiction, if it's not true. And uh, we're not going to make our guests go first. We're going to let, I guess, myself go first, then Nick, then Cole. So, Evan, what do you got for our first stat? All right. Well, we're going to bring it back to the uh, East Coast, into the state that Matt and I are in, Massachusetts. Uh, there was a tournament that happened uh, five minutes away from my house that would have been cool to be at, but it was at an apple orchard, if you saw Simon's vlog. Um, mm -hmm. Mark Chapelonis took down the win, but he shot a 1082 rated round one. Um, this is tied for the highest non-elite round rating in Massachusetts history. Mm. So Mark Chapelonis' 1082 in round one of the tournament this weekend was tied for the highest non-elite round rating in Massachusetts history. Non-elite and majors. Uh, it's going to be close, uh, but I'm going to go with stat on that. It's, but it's going to be close. It could teeter either way, but I'm going stat. Nick, what do you got? I'm going to go fiction. Fiction. And Cole, this is a shot in the dark, but you know ratings a little bit. Sounds yeah. pretty hot for a non-elite series. What do you think? Um, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to have to go with stat here, Matt. I'd right. be right. All right, he's going with stat. Uh, go ahead and give it to us, Evan. All right. Yeah, this is a stat. Woo! Um I thought it was crazy. Yeah. Well, one ten eighty two ties the record. Uh, Cole, you were five away from that, although in Oregon, uh, not really sure how they compare exactly, but that's still pretty crazy. Uh, Mark Chapelinus is ten eighty two ties Joel Freeman at the twenty nineteen Nantucket Open. Oh, Nantucket! I was literally, I was okay. I was literally going through courses in my head. I'm like, where else in Massachusetts, dude? You can barely even shoot ten forty, ten fifty rated rounds in Massachusetts. Like that's just it does not set up well. But Nantucket, okay, that that makes sense. <laughs> and just a quick fun fact: the third highest non-elite uh, round rating is by Simon Lazat at a C tier, the Newton Heck. Oh yeah, didn't he shoot like ten sixty? Ten sixty eight. Yep. Yeah. That, All right. So they they took they took an easyish course and just absolutely littered it with OB. And so while everyone else who is okay at disc golf struggled on it, Simon literally massacred everyone. So, anyways, okay, that's kind of cool. Joel Freeman, who would have thought? All right. Is well, there any way, Evan? This is interesting for stat or fiction, or not stat or fiction? Maybe in the future. Is there any way for you to look up at Stat Mando like by state highest rating? Yeah, that's actually something I 
can do pretty easily. Hey, that, can you look at Oregon? As I was saying, yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up. All right, after. After Statter Fiction. Okay. That's it. All right, let's go. Yeah. All right, so speaking of Simon Lazat, uh, Simon Lazat averaged a 1033.28 round rating in all elite series and major events in 2021. This is better than Nate Sexton, Nicola Castro, Garrett Gerthy, Chris Clemens, Paul Uliberry, and Ma- Andrew Marweed. Nick, you're up. Well, that one's tough. I was going to say stat until the Andrew Marweed pick came up. But I'm, I'm still going to go stat. All right. Nick goes stat. What do you got, Cole? Fiction, but. I'm going to go. I'm going to go fiction. I don't agree with Nick. <laughs> because you don't <laughs> agree with oh, me. I'm not getting either. a good vibe right now. What's going on? Okay. And I am going to go stat. Uh, I just believe that. Simon did really good when he when he was on the road uh, this year. I think he and Simon, if you're out there, I'm not saying this to butter you up. I think you had a really great season for the few events that you did hit up. In fact, that actually plays into this a little bit. He didn't play as many events, so his average is if he played well, it was easier to maintain. Um, so yeah, I'm still sticking with stat on this. So let's go ahead and see how did it play out. All right, yeah, this is a stat. Um, Actually, when I was looking up a question, I had a, a sweet one that was going to be fiction. And then I was looking at average roundings. I'm like, wow, he beat a lot of good people, a lot better season than people think. But I think, Matt, you hit it on the head, playing less events. If they were good, you know, didn't have any to really bring down his average. Um, he only beat Nate Sexton by uh, 0.1, not even 0.1, less than 0.1 uh, average round rating on the season, just barely below. Um, I actually set him in order as well. So Andrew Marweed was the lowest of all of those, which was a little bit surprising with, to me as well. So Cole, yeah. I, I'm going to pick on you. What, what was the deal? Did you just don't, you did, underestimated Simon. Is that what happened there? Yeah. Sorry, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Simon. Simon listened to the show. He's, you know, yeah. he's, he's a good dude. He'll still like you. Have you met Simon and <laughs> talked to Simon? Uh, I saw him at DMC. That's I exchanged a couple of words with him there, but other than that, not really. Okay, cool, Simon. And and then last note on that: that Simon was actually twelfth um, out of everyone who's played at least five Elite Series and major events. Um, so still very good season. It's a shame he uh, was battling that elbow injury to start the season. Yeah. All right. So somehow I've been doing pretty good with Satter Fiction lately. I saw your rank, uh, your rating for us, like where, how many points I got. I have to beat Nick. So <laughs> we're getting there to the end of the season. I've got two. Cole's got one. Nick's got one. You guys need to catch up. Here we go. Is this the final one? Unless there's a tie. Uh, final one. And then I always got tiebreakers. All right, here we go. Give it to us. All right. Uh, in FPO in 2021, there were 77 total thousand plus rated rounds by 20 different women. Missy Gannon is not one of them. Oh, dang. Uh, who's up first on this one? Cole. Cole, you're up first. So ultimately, we're saying, did Missy Gannon shoot a thousand rated round? Ultimately. Yeah, and that there were uh, seventy-seven thousand plus rated rounds by twenty different women. But wait, let's. It's a double. Whole, is it a double negative? Thing. Is it a double negative? You said Missy Gannon is not one of them. Missy so Gannon we, is not one of them. So, so if you say stat, you're saying Missy Gannon was not one she of the twenty. Did not shoot it. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Cole? I'm gonna say uh, fiction fiction all right i'm up i'm going oh this this is tough i wanted to go stats so bad because i'm like it's probably a stat but 
What round did she shoot that was really good? Ah, uh, you know what? It's a horrible choice. So I went stat, but I'm actually, I'm going to make it fun. I'm going to leave it that way. I'm going to make it fun because I wanted to lean stat. If I go fiction, there's no way for, okay, go Nick, you're up. Well, I was going to go, I was going to go stat, but if we get the same thing, then no matter what, I can't win. So I'm going to have to go fiction now. Do you guys want me to change my answer? I don't know. I feel no, like, no. all right, I'm going stat, no, I, but I think it's crazy, which I think that means both of you are going to catch up here. That's my guess. Let's see how this plays out. What do you got, Evan? All right. This is a stat, actually. <gasps> Wild. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't want to throw shade at Missy, but I was like, because um, Evan, did you guys tweet out today all the like no. elite series uh, ratings for the women? Uh, no, I I barely have been on Twitter, so I have no clue. <laughs> okay, maybe Dion or like Hans someone, tweeted for Statmando, but I don't think so. I was so. gonna say I, I feel like someone. Else. I feel like Statmando tweeted it, but it was like Missy Gannon averaged nine eighty or nine ninety ish whenever she won an Elite Series event this year, and so then I'm thinking, okay, like that's you know maybe no thousand rated rounds in that, but like I said, I had to try to beat Matt, and the only way I was gonna do that <laughs> if I chose the opposite answer. All right, I so. gotta ask Cole, how old were you when you shot your first thousand rated? Do you remember that round? Oh boy. I think the first tournament I ever shot a thousand rated round, I actually shot 3000 rated rounds in a row. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's world. pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think I was 2000. Was it 2019, 2018 or 2019. So how old would that have put so you 16 or, I would or have 15? Been, I would have been 14 or 15. Okay. Like, because I just turned 17 at, in September. so Must be nice. Must be yeah. nice. <laughs> Nick, how old were you when you shot your first thousand? <laughs> I don't know. I'm actually, I want to, you can talk about something else quick because I kind of want to look that okay, up. Okay, Evan, because this is over, let's get out of this game here. That was fun. I somehow pulled off the victory. That's interesting, Nick. So I think I've caught up on points guessed correctly there. Uh, Evan, are you coming up with that highest rated and... It's probably yeah. going to be Scott Withers, no? Oh, in Oregon? Well, I was going to do when okay. Cole shot his first thousand rated round. Okay, Cole. Give us Cole if you're looking that up. Yeah. Um, He's looking it up. Um, Sat Mando as our stat-driven database here at the Nick and Matt Show is fantastic. We shout out to them as so much as possible. I, oh, that was... I found, I found mine. Okay, Nick, what do you got? Okay, so this might not be accurate because I had started playing in 2014 or 2013, but I didn't get a PDGA number until 2016. Um, I don't know why, but I played a bunch of AM2 events, so I don't know. I, I know I won one or two events without a PDGA number, so I don't know if at any of those I shot a 1,000 rated round, but it looks like in 2016 at the South Kingston Open, I actually remember the round because I just driven seven hours throughout the night from Rochester, New York to go play this event, and then I shot the course record the first round. And then I followed it up with a 932 rated round because I remember feeling absolutely awful <laughs> that my body, my body was literally shutting down. I, mean, I remember I couldn't even drive home after the tournament. I had to stop like 10 minutes away from the course at some hotel and just sleep in the parking lot. But that was 2016. So what was that five years ago? Well, I'll look so, up yours in a second, Nick. I was 22. When I got Cole's. 22. Okay. So Cole. Yeah. So Cole, your first thousand rated round was at the Cherryland Disc Golf Festival and Tournament. Uh, in May uh, on May 5th in 2019, your second and third thousand rated rounds were also in that event in rounds two and three. So your first three 
thousand rated rounds were all in the same tournament. Uh, and you took the win in MA1. Wow. You probably smashed everyone. If I you won by 10. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Is that, uh, yeah, go ahead. When did, when did you decide to move up to pro? So I actually moved up to pro after the next gen championship in 2019. But um, my last amateur event was actually the weekend before that. It was at Blue Lake, and I averaged 1035. And I won by 18 strokes as my last Stop it. event. <laughs> Dude, everyone probably hated you. I remember winning a tournament in M2 by, I think, I don't know, a few strokes, maybe four, five, six. And everyone called me a bagger. So I had to move up from AM2 to AM1. And then uh, dude, I'm sure if you if you average 1030 as an amateur, bro, get out of here. Like, I would hate you. If I was an amateur, I literally would have quit disc golf at the time. Uh, I think that was the best tournament of my life up to that point. So I was like, don't worry, guys. It's my last damn event. Like, you can chill out. They're like, we're not worrying. It is your last. Yeah, it is your last. They're going to make <laughs> yeah. sure of it. Yeah. Um, so th this was fantastic having you on. Is there anything you want to talk about on our show at all? Um, the door's wide open. Otherwise, uh, we'll let you go. Do you got anything? Well, I just want to say thanks for having me on here. First of all, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'll give a shout out to all my sponsors, Oregon Sports and Family Chiropractic, who was actually my first sponsor. Um, he's been really helping me with chiropractic work and workouts, getting my body well. Um, dope discs, a disc dyer in Washington. He's been great. Um, disc craft, of course, was supplying me with the best discs this year. Couldn't be more thankful for that. Um, Eagles wings, disc golf, um, Christian disc golf, and then, uh, pound disc golf, my bag sponsor pound. So thank you to all of them. Very cool. cool. Very cool. You're very supported. Um, you already shouted out your mom, your family doing what you did on the road this year. I saw you at MVP. I saw you, as I mentioned, at the U.S. Juniors um, and just watching what's happening with your disc golf career, as crazy as that is to say at 16 and 17, we're going to keep an eye on you. Uh, we're cheering for you, and I'm sure this will not be the last time you're on the Nick and Matt show. Uh, we hope to have you on more often. Keep up the good work. Nick, you got any closing thoughts? Nope, I'm good. Appreciate <laughs> right. you coming on cold. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great evening. All right. Thank you, buddy. Peace. All right, everybody, Cole Radolin, and I did get his name right, but then people were throwing me off. And Kristen Tatar, we got that right. She threw they they threw us off. Oh, uh, I'm gonna call you Neek, Neek, Carl, Neek. <laughs> my uh, my uh, my French teacher back in high school used to call me Nicolas, and I was like, can you just call me Nick? Like, can we can we stop the whole French crap? I hate this class, anyways. Can we stop? There was there's a disc golf player. Is it a pro? Nick Nicholas Carl N I K L A U S Carl. It's in it's in stats somewhere. I'm seeing it oh. lately. It's in standings. Is a European or something? Nick. I think there's a German. I know his last name's not Carl, but his first name is right. Nicholas. Right. Is Nicholas Antila? Antila. I think, I don't know. isn't he like 1030 like ish rated? You're on FBO. If, yeah. <laughs> I need Stat Mando. I'm searching FBO for your name. Um, yeah. Anyways, I'm well, all thrown off. I was going to say, real quick, Nick, you had it right. The South Kingston Open was your first uh, thousand rated round in Open. Your next four thousand rated rounds were all in MA one. So uh, to continue that bagger talk, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> they were. At, uh, well, so no, it's, it's funny. MVP. 
it's funny because in 20, 2016, 17 and 18, actually, I think 2014 as well. I forget when, but the first time I ever played the, well, it used to be the Maple Hill Open Am side. It used to be the Vibram Open Am side or the Vibram. And now it's the MVP Open Am side. That was the one tournament that I really, really, really wanted to win. And so I kept playing it year after year after year until in 2018 when I finally won it. And then I ended up actually winning by 11 that weekend. And so that's when I was like, okay, I should probably move up and consistently play in pro. And that's, that's officially when I went and played pro. Cool. Cool story, Nick. No, there's uh, someone Thanks. in the chat. Matthias, see now we're gonna mess up names when you just read them for Matthias. the first time. Matthias Mantisari. If I butcher that, I apologize, but oh. it's now just part of our segment. He said, or he or she, first time stumbling onto an actual live session, dropped a like. Now I'm gonna leave. I have to look out for future me in the car looking for a podcast to listen to while driving. <laughs> he doesn't want to waste his podcast opportunity. Thanks for stopping in, Matthias or Matthias. Or how else could you say that? Matthias Matias. We're Anyways, we got one of those. Matthias. <laughs> My name's Matt. All right. I'll be here all night. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Okay, so we're going to get to the announcement of the schedule and talk through some of that Silver Series. Um, but before we do that, Nick, you asked me a, a question that told me you have some insight. And I'm just going to leave it at that. You, we don't have to get into it. Nick has some insight yeah. on off-season uh, maybe change-ups of sponsors. And it makes me think that we should talk about this. He doesn't have to elaborate on on who he thinks it I is. Have, <laughs> I have ideas. I have nothing concrete, but I do have ideas Ooh. of <laughs> He's in the players, that, players that I would like to see move around. Okay, so let's do this. <clears throat> Any feelings, and you don't have to answer this, Nick. But you can, because like you said, you have feelings. Ricky Wysocki. I'm just going to go through like the top 20, because those would be big Those would be big shifts, okay? And mm -hmm. do we think any of these are happening? Uh, Ricky Wysocki, I'm saying no. Eagle McMahon, I'm saying no. Calvin Heimberg, I'm saying no. What do you think? Is there any chance Calvin would shift up? I he, think I think Calvin's a potential. I don't, talks, his, I don't know where his I don't know where his contracts at, but yeah. he talks so high on on the eagle, so I'm almost like he can't. But then you know, Paul was the same with all his discs. Like any pro can easily do it. I I think Calvin's towards the top of the list of a lot of people. You know, DD's always thrown around. He's yeah. good friends with uh, Zach Melton, but of course that means nothing. Being friends with someone doesn't mean you're going to get that contract. I've heard his contract mm -hmm. runs until the end of next year. Okay, yeah, still somebody who we're, we're even speculating on in our heads. It didn't, uh, this is mean. It didn't matter for Paige Pierce that her contract went. It, it depends what kind of contract, I guess. But Innova has yeah. always been a handshake yeah, yeah. company. Innova has been a handshake company. I don't know how they are now with mm -hmm. their contracts. But uh, Paul McBeth, we can skip over that. We know that's never going to change. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like he's probably not moving for about 10 years. <laughs> he's got to give I'm back to saying. McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> I have no insider information, but yeah. <laughs> um, Kyle Klein? I, I think that's possible. It's possible, I but I possible. think they're stepping up. I think Discmania is stepping up, and they're going to be like, "Nah, we want to, we want to." This is horrible. Groom you, like we want you to continue to be like our player. Like we're going to keep a hold. See, of you. I, I get that, but at the same time, if you're on Discmania, you will always be in the shadow of Simon and Eagle, and that's just that's unless at that point at, you're not wrong up front, like up front. But what happens when Kyle Klein comes out next year and wins like? 
now that I'm super hot take for disc golf pro tours or now national tours, however they want to refer to them. And he places really well at every other event. He's going to become a superstar in one year. So like, if if you perform really well, you're not wrong though, Nick. Yeah. It would take a lot. That's so, all. Yeah, I think it's tough when you say that because that's like hypothetically speaking, that's yeah. a what if scenario yeah, to where it's crazy. like, okay, what if he places 50th at every single event exactly. next year? It's the other way. And then Discmania says, hey, we're going to give you 100 grand a year, and like now you go out and do that. Like I, I mean, you can't really answer that with what ifs. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, Eagles, you know, in the conversation of Player of the Year, um, Simon is one of the most popular disc golfers. He's an incredible disc golfer, but also in his content creation world, he's the most popular when it comes to just vlogging in general. And then just people, people love Simon. I would venture to say Simon is the most popular ever. I I think I feel that way. I think the most, I feel like the most liked, like, I, I mean, there are people who, you know, don't like Paul or don't like Ricky or don't like Eagle, but it's very rare for I don't know if I've ever heard it of someone saying like, oh yeah, I don't like Simon. I'm, there's my, my take just to clarify, there's probably someone out there that my, doesn't like him, but my take, I, mean, I really, my take is popular. I'm defining it by known by the most people. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people talk about Paul, but I don't know. I think you underestimate the people who have no outside disc golf knowledge compared to what they see at played against sports or dicks and they just grab a disc. I still think Innova with Ken Climo on every single T-Bird that you ever see in the stores. Like that's, that's one of the first people I knew of because the T-Bird had Ken Climo. You might see like Paul Macbeth, you know, still even though I feel like Discraft isn't as dicks as much, but uh, I think people are going to know Paul Macbeth more than they know Simon. But if your question is like, then I agree with you. I think Simon, no one doesn't like Simon. Yeah. I I wasn't clear. I wasn't clarifying it that way, but I might be wrong. I'm just speaking loud without thinking I, about it. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. So I guess we can kind of wrap it back to Kyle Klein. I think that in potential with his career, I don't think it would be, and especially with Discmania starting off there, virtually they started a new company this year and manufacturing their own discs and getting their own warehouse. Like they left the Innova. I mean, that's, that's a huge overhead that they have now, a cost that they might not have really had before. That's also now your, you know, Eagle had an incredible year. And so it's like, okay, do we start paying Eagle more money? Simon potentially coming back out. I know he won't be on the road too much next year since he'll have a kid at the beginning of the year, but I don't know. I just think for Kyle, I don't think it would be a terrible idea to shop around. If you can, I have no idea what his contract's like, like right now. Excuse me. People in the but chat. I definitely feel like, I definitely feel like he has a very high potential of going elsewhere. Yeah. Nick knows something. No. <laughs> Brian Ralph I, in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> I that don't want to make you high. lie, Nick. I don't want to make you lie. Don't say no if you mean yes. <laughs> I mean, shoot, I'll, I'll lie right now if I have to. <laughs> He's like, I'm staring at you in the face and lie. Brian. Well, cause, no, because yeah. I, could, I could say it's a small fib, and then in January, when everyone starts announcing their stuff, then I can be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I actually did know that. I but lied. For the most part, I don't, I don't know anything, he can especially say that. when it comes to Kyle. That's so I funny. Think- That's so funny. When all the season starts, you're like, everyone that you guys say I got wrong, they were actually lies because I knew <laughs> the truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Brian Ralph in the chat. Kyle still needs to build his career. I don't think he'll be switching anytime soon. I actually can buy into that a little bit. I think this year was a huge foundation year for him. 
Um, no pun intended, Foundation Disc Podcast. You know, we appreciate Foundation Podcast. But uh, people are talking about all the players that they think, and they're asking about contract agreements. What do we think was a flop? Let's get through this list real quick here. Kevin Jones, I don't think there's any switch there. Speak up if you do. James Conrad, I want to say obviously. <laughs> no change there. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I'm going to say Nikola Castro, number nine on your list. Uh, I think that could be likely. Uh, I don't know his deal with Westside, but Westside hasn't been making a ton of discs because Latitude and Dynamic Discs, who both own it together, just everyone's short supply. They've been focusing on Latitude and DD. Nico kind of switches around all throughout his career. Like maybe he goes mm-hmm. back to Gateway. Maybe he goes Drew Gibson mix bag. Although <laughs> I think Westside's been working for him. I just, that's, if we have to say something, that we have to say something. <laughs> I might in this, it, it is what it is. I'm going to say it. I think he's polarizing in a lot of ways. And I think that's why he switched quite a few times because he wasn't happy or they weren't happy. It was one or the other. It has to be. That's not that hot mm-hmm. of a take. And I don't know. He's done pretty good for himself. And there's people who are going to be excited to get a good player on their team. I I don't know. That's an interesting take. Chris Dickerson, I don't see a switch. Ezra Aderhold, mm-hmm. I don't see a switch. Joel Freeman, probably not. But if we were going to teeter, I mean, could. And the reason why, he's playing really well. I don't know. I don't know. He's I'm, I'm going to throw at Dismania. He's from Colorado. Dismania, like you said growing a lot that could be a possibility and then to wrap up this drew gibson no he just announced andrew marweed that dude will not throw anything but a firebird yeah matthew orham garrett girthy i think as far as like top 20 go gavin rathbun i don't know his contract or his timeline but um i, I think, think gavin's another player that you know, might be a potential as well. Same thing. He's on the Discmania train. I I feel like I did not see a lot of promotion for him this year, but at the same time, he didn't go to all the events. I know he got injured later on in the year. I don't know how much he plans to tour next year, but at the same time, we did hear about him. I think, you know, kind of starting off at Mid-America Open, we heard about him a decent amount. He had, I think, a pretty cool skip ace on one of the holes. Um, but same thing. I, I think that's what's tough about Discmania being one of – it's a big company, but it's also a small company in the sense of like how much they're putting out because they just have the new, you know, deal that they worked out this year. So I think that's also someone who potential um, I could see moving around. So that's our top 20 for MPO. Um, if you go down the list, though, we had Cole on tonight and it could be I don't want to say a Freudian slip, but he said for now after he said Discraft. Like, I think he's going back to Discraft. All right. Just saying. The words came out of his mouth. And then I put him on the spot, and I'm like, don't answer. You don't have to. He's <laughs> 17. You know, I don't want to make him feel awkward. But you're right. He's probably staying there. Um, all right. Let's do M- FPO kind of quick here. Uh, Paige Pierce. No. Uh, Katrina Allen. Anybody? Buy no. on Katrina? No? Okay. Missy Gannon. Uh, does Evan want to speak up here? Do you want to? Will you uh, speak up? <laughs> I think I think Missy earned a lot of money, both actually from the tournaments, but also uh, um, payments from uh, sponsorships wise uh, for the end of the season. I think if Discraft isn't trying to make that jump for what she deserves, that may be. But I think she also really likes Discraft, so she might stay. But I could see that being a possibility. Yeah, I remember. Well, she was on the show just a few weeks ago after a big win at the Pro Tour Championships, and she 
yeah, we kind of, we didn't really like call her out on it, but she was like, we are very happy with how things are going right now. So I, I, I honestly, for how well Messi did at the end of the year. And I think just in general, I, I can't imagine her going to a different company. I mean, unless a company look money talks. And I think that's a huge thing, especially with the way disc golf is going right now. Money talks. I mean, look at what Kristen just signed, you know, four years, $500,000. Maybe if a company went up to her and said, Hey, four years, $600,000, does she switch? Like where remember it's, it's tough to tell right now, but money talks. Remember we talked about money talks and we said, this is way early in our podcast season. Like first 10, we said, would you rather Nick wear the pink, you know, logo on your pants, on the butt of your pants, pink mm-hmm. or like. Uh, how much money would like would you take as a sponsorship is the point there would you be like dude i'll wear that on my butt the whole tour for how much yeah, money dude, someone's just you know give me 10 bucks around i'll wear whatever you want i'm just kidding <laughs> I'm not that cheap yeah i was gonna say not, there's gotta be cheap. a number there's gotta be no. a number no. anyways uh, it's it's fun to talk about yeah. what would money do because the reality is like what does discraft need to do to keep you on the team i mean if someone came to you with and again, you don't have to talk, Nick, if it puts you in a weird spot. But if someone was going to offer you $100,000 this year to come play on their team, if you want to answer, go ahead, Nick. Would you just be like, adios, Discraft? I mean, you'd be dumb not to, right? I mean, I would. if someone was to come up to me and said, like, let's say ProDiscus came up to me and said, hey, we want to give you $100,000 a year to come throw our discs and... a year is going to support me going out and traveling. The first thing I would do is bring it to Discraft and I would say, Hey, this is what I just got offered. What can we work out? And then it would not have to be, and this is all very speculated because I would never get offered a hundred thousand dollars a year to play disc golf right now. But, um, I would go up to them and then honestly, for how much I love Discraft, for how much I appreciate, the people at Discraft just in general. I think that's that was one of the big motivating things of me wanting to go to Discraft in the first place was how much I enjoyed the people and how like family friendly in a sense they are. Like they all just feel like really, really close friends. I love seeing them at events. Um they could hit me with a different number. It wouldn't have to be a hundred K. Um I don't know what that number would be, but if it meant that I could go out and travel and play for Discraft, I would stick with them. So that's just kind of how I view it. Good answer, Nick. You're gonna be stuck with Discraft for life, I can tell. Believe me, I, I love Discraft. They, I do I, believe any, you. Yeah, any any time that I've ever had a question, whether it was from Wes Chenevar, who was the he is the team captain for Discraft Underground, or Bob Julio, who is the team captain for, or excuse me, the team manager for the tour team and the elite team, anyone that I want to talk to, they've always helped me out within 10 minutes of me texting them. Jeff Corns with the Discraft um, truck and trailer. I mean, all these... It's something as simple as, you know, Jeff has a ton of discs when he goes out on the road and I lost one of my zones when I was at worlds and I forgot to put a replacement in. And right before my second or third round, I asked him, I said, Hey man, I really need a zone. Do you have an extra one? He went, grabbed me a brand new one, gave it to me. And so I just, I don't know. Like I said, they're just all great people. And there's Jeff Corns. He has to show like, there he is. Boom. Again, Halloween character, boom, Evan, Nick brings him up. Jeff Corn, he's always there, yeah. ready with the disc you need. I, my favorite memory, we should go back sometime, maybe before the end of the year, and do like our favorite memories. We got to skim through or people can tag them for us. But was when we did the show during MVP with like 10 in studio pros. Yeah. 
And it was so funny. Every time Jeff Corns got on the microphone, he would go, Je Jeff Corns resistance discs or whatever. Like, Jeff Corns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, can you please introduce yeah. yourself? Every time. Can you please introduce? Yes, Jeff Corns resistance discs. <laughs> I made a GIF of him or a GIF, however you say it, Nick. And GIF. GIF. And I sent it to him. It's a Jeff Corns GIF. It's fantastic. It just, it's really it is. It is actually a fantastic GIF. Okay. Moving on, because we got caught up. Uh, yeah. We talked to Missy Gannon. We're Sarah still going Holcomb. down FBO. Yep, Sarah Holcomb, no, in my opinion. Speak up if yes. Nope. Haley King, nope. no. Jessica nope. Weiss, I just don't see that as being a change. There's, no. Like, there's no, she's not looking to change. Kona yeah. is, unless there's some major offer to her, she would never mm -hmm. leave Innova. Mm -hmm. It'd have to be major. Uh, Lisa Fakus, no. Heather Young, no. So I think what we'd be talking about is... I don't want to say no names because we still have like own Rebecca Cox, Deanne Carey, but people were talking about if I move down the list here, Macy, right? Macy Vela Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. Does yep. she get an yep. offer? She's on DD uh, she's right with, now. She's with DD right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So could she get offered more and maybe be able to tour better? Or maybe it's not. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. Who knows? And then yeah, um, I don't I don't really know what her goals are in disc golf in general. I know she's a phenomenal Tennessee player and traveled out to a few tournaments this year. I don't think there was a lot of them. So I don't know if she's trying to full-time tour in 2022 or just kind of do what she did this year and dominate the Tennessee area. Um, one name as I'm going down the list though, uh, I shouldn't just say one name, but I mean, Valerie Mandahano, maybe she switches, um, kind of keep going down the list. I think Ella Hansen, I think she's still on Ella just, Hansen, uh, like a yep. handshake agreement kind of deal with this mania. Although she fits okay. this mania perfectly, so I hope yeah. she stays. But gets and I don't think and I, now I don't know her well. We interviewed her once. I don't think she has that feeling in her of like, I just got in and then I'm just gonna burn that bridge. It's not burn a bridge, but move right mm -hmm. away to a different sponsor. Mm -hmm. That's my guess. Unless someone offered her something fantastic, then I feel like any player should go for that. There is brand loyalty um, a little bit, but at the end of the yeah. day, like like Nick said, money's a big deal. It's a motivator. Um, Madison <laughs> Walker motivator. is unsponsored. Oh that no, was, Aria yes. Discs. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much is going on with Aria Discs, and so maybe I don't know if they have a full line of discs. So maybe she's kind of rocking like maybe Aria and some other stuff. But I just thought that as I said her name, so scratch that one. Um, Rebecca Cox. She's a Latitude player. Maybe switching it up. Um, Lydia Alliance kind of up and comer as well so these are names the, that would she's be, the project player right yep yeah these are, those are names that i guess you could see as getting upgraded maybe it's hard to see them getting it offered something yeah. where they would want to leave because mm -hmm. their performances were okay but not like leave a company worthy I, I, that's how i feel about it that's my perspective i'm not saying it's right or mm -hmm. wrong but i think i think someone who actually has a decent amount of bargaining available to them is kona um, she did have an elite series win. She won the all-star event earlier this season. She did have a good year. And I think as she slowly learns just all aspects of her game, she's getting better and better. She had a decent year this year. Um, I definitely, and her social media presence is pretty big. So I think she is someone that does have, you know, bargaining available to her. Yeah, and one last name. I just happened to look into our chat, and I see our our man Kent Chapman in there, and he said Holly Finley. Now, 
I'm going to bring up Holly Finley because it crossed my mind multiple times. And I was like, nah, nah. But then like I start, I saw Kent, I saw your chat and I was like, let me give it another second, you know, to settle in. Who would she go to? The only company that I could see where it would, and this is, I don't know why, is Discraft. Like, I feel like they could promote, and she's obviously very brandable. I say obviously because she's very, that's the world she comes from is like brand yourself. And that's where mm -hmm. she, and I feel like Discraft does a really good job for their players. That would be the only one. And I'm not saying go there, but I think she's really in of a, like, they've done really well for her. Is Holly a millionaire? Suli Raleigh in the chat says, Holly is a millionaire. I did not know that. But that's amazing if she is from her I mean, modeling career. I know she made slash makes a really good chunk of change with her modeling. Um, millionaire status, though, that I'm not sure of. Hmm. I know she has. We a, did not ask I know her she that. Has, she has an absolutely badass van. She's got like a super van compared to everyone else. Oh, that's um, our next segment. Who on RVs. tour is a millionaire? Oh, wait, this is easy. <laughs> Yeah. But it could be. Maybe there's unknowns, right? We could ask people to start yeah. dishing on how be. they know that. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested if Sue just comments how she knows that. It's going to be some other podcast or something, which is okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's wrap up that topic. And let's go into the announcement that happened a couple hours prior to our show launching uh, and talk about, and we're not going to spend a whole bunch of time, but the Disc Golf Pro Tour Silver Series. And the definition of Silver Series they're going to give us here, and I can kind of read through it. Um, it's it's the Elite Series, as we called it. But this year, not the Silver Series is not the Elite Series. There's two, Silver Series, Elite Series. But this year, um, I believe, and did you see this? In the release, it, they're listing Disc Golf Pro Tour events as national tours. So now that the national tour and them have combined, is it the national tour run by the Disc Golf Pro Tour? How do, you, how do you guys see I think that? it's tricky because I think the tier is a national tour, as in A, B, C tier, and then major. So a national tour is in between an A tier and a major. But the oh, tour please. itself is called the Disc Golf Pro and Tour. And we were trying to clarify so, by merging tours, and now <laughs> I kind yeah, of get so it. So Disc Golf Pro Tour the last couple of years have been NTs. So we're going to call it an elite series? Yeah. Or are we going to call it a an, DGPT? It's an elite event. That's, it's, it's the Disc Golf Pro Tour elite event. <sighs> I, would just, I would just call it a pro tour. Pro Tour. Just, I agree. Just be brutally honest. I think that's how I would do it too. And after yeah. this little discussion here, in fact, in the release for the Silver Series, which we're getting to right now, the Silver Series does not have Disc Golf Pro Tour in the name, as far as I know. I think it lists it as like for here we go, the Open at Belton, and I'm pretty sure when you look at, let me see, I'm gonna pull it up. Oops, I just pulled it up, and now I'm losing my spot. I'm pretty sure if you look at the list, the spreadsheet list that was made here, I actually have it on my phone right in front of me. Um, doo -doo -doo. Wait a minute. Waco Annual Charity Open is not a Disc Golf Pro Tour. Did we so that's that? that's the, no, that's the like A tier version of it. Okay. If you look right above it, there's the. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. I just pulled up two lists, I, my notes list and then the new list. And I'm like, whoa, how did I miss this? Yeah. Um, no, I said that earlier. It's this a different tournament going on at I think Brazos West. I, I could be wrong about that, but there's another course nearby that I think they also run a tournament at during Waco. Okay. So let's just get into it. We did enough jumbo there to last a while. Uh, so here's the cool part. Here's the events, the open at Belton in March music city open in April open in Ta open at Tallahassee. That's a new one. We haven't seen before at, in April. We can go back to these in a minute and talk about them. Masters cup. Well-known 
Silver Series. I think we kind of expected that. Beaver State mm -hmm. Fling. Good to see it as an event that's going to get some publicity, but it's a Silver Series. At least it's back. Mm -hmm. I heard it's scheduled mm -hmm. and volunteers already lining up to help. Very cool. Uh, do you think, oh, let's stop real quick on that one. Do you think that one's going to feel bigger than a Silver Series? Uh, yeah, I think so. Just because a majority of the pros loved going to that event. Um, I know that's one of Eagle's favorite events that he goes to every single year. Um, the courses look beautiful on camera. I've heard they're very fun courses to play. Uh, that's actually an event that I will more than likely be going to. Um, my brother lives out in Oregon now, so I'm going to try to figure out how far he is away from where this is at. But, um, I've always wanted to go play this event. This was actually one of the few events every single year that I was like, I really want to get out to that. And now that it's a silver series, I would love to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, PCS Sula. There we go. Norway. Welcome back. That's exciting to see. Mid America open, uh, moved into August. That's later than it was this year. Right. With the rainy season, if you will, flooding out. I, that's what I was wondering. I figured it was because, cause we still really haven't seen, like Harmony Benz, the top pros play that course. Right. So. And then we've got number eight Silver Series is how they have it listed. Pittsburgh Flying Disc Open in September 9th through the 11th. And here's the cool part. Again, we'll talk about some of these other things. But additionally, the Disc Golf Pro Tour is excited to announce that while the 2022 season will officially end in Charlotte at the championship October 13th through 16th, which means, again, it is in Charlotte at Hornet's Nest. I would like to see it change at some point. Not because it's a bad venue, but I think it would be neat to see the championship move. Uh, this will be the first year that the 2023 season, they're kind of saying, will actually kick off following the championship. So the first event on the 2022-2023 season, how they're now referring to it, uh, is as follows. Lake Marshall Open, the first, this is cool, this is the first event of the 2023 season as far as points accumulation go at Lake Marshall. Nick, mm -hmm. have you ever played that course? I have, and I'm actually going back there on Sunday to go play a charity event. Tell us about it. What's the property? What's the course? Is it going to be awesome? Yeah, um, it's two really, really nice courses, the Lions and the Lair. Um, super enjoyable. The Lions is uh, bigger fairways, a lot of elevation, really fun water shots at it. The Lair is a lot more technical in the woods, both long courses, very enjoyable to play. Um, two, I would say, championship-level courses, and um, they're both right next to each other. Like it's, it, it's kind of like how Vermont is set up to where if you look to your left, there's one course, and if you look to your right, there's another course. And so that's how uh, Lake Marshall is set up. It's really fun. I went and played a B tier. I played the Lake Marshall Open earlier this year. I was just going to say to become a Silver Series or any A tier for that matter, you've got to be a multiple running, multiple year running event, however you want to say that. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to be established. So that's obviously yeah. an established event. And then the second event of the 2021 22 season or as they say, 22, 23 season, 22, sorry, 23. getting into next yeah. year, the new world championship. This is happening at the new world course uh, where the original pro tour finale took place back in the day, two years in a row, I believe. And this event is happening November 11th and 13th. Um, it's going to be neat to have competitive disc golf. Cause we kind of had this like die off. It's over for those who want to compete. They still can. And it counts towards the following year. And I think it's a good opportunity for people even regionally down there to, to try their hand out with some good players. There'll be big events. 
Any any thoughts, yeah, both I Evan was, or Nick? I, I think it's. Well, super, I was kind of. Oh, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. You Evan. go ahead, Nick. <laughs> oh, all right, I'll go ahead. Um, no, I was um just going through this list. There's actually a ton of events that I want to make it out to, and a lot of them are actually what seem like decently close to each other. So I'm actually in the next month or two planning out how much I'm going out on the road next year. But um, it's a long season. I mean, like the new world championships is November 11th through 13th down in Jacksonville, Florida. And so it's like, I mean, I want to play that. I love going to Florida. My aunt and uncle actually go down to Florida every single year. I have friends that live in Jacksonville that I could go and visit. Um, And then same thing with like the Lake Marshall open end of uh, end of October. And so I was talking to Paul about it today and I was like, dude, this is, this is going to be a long freaking season, you know, <laughs> starting February, going all the way to November, potentially. If you play them all, then it will feel extremely long. But as I said last week, I think it's going to start being very particular, especially for the elite level athletes. I see mm-hmm. and Evan, I'll give you credit. I think after one of the shows one day, you said, I don't see like, and I won't say the names, but I don't see some of these elite level players playing silver series like ever again. Like there's no need. Yeah. So anyways, Agreed. what were your thoughts on these? I, I think it's super interesting that we, we at being the tour uh, as fans being involved with the tour, uh, go to Florida at two different times. Uh, so you go, I think it was in April kind of around the champions cup, uh, go to Tallahassee and then come back to Jacksonville in November. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just caught my eye and that's interesting. Uh, and then two with the, I think it's awesome that the season's going a little bit longer. I think we needed that instead of smushing more events in between February and October to expand it a little bit longer. Like we just said, uh, not every player is going to be playing any, every event. I think the tour should be closer to like nine, 10 months. Uh, and if, if Paul Macbeth, Eagle, Ricky page Pierce, if they want to only have an eight month long season from April mm-hmm. until worlds or the disc golf pro tour championship, so be it. But other players should be able to play. Uh, silver series kind of level events almost all year long and Florida, the Southeast, uh, the, the West coast being like California, like this, the Southwest, I guess all great temperatures all year long. So I really like seeing uh, Florida uh, get a November slot. I like to see them have a few more uh, throughout the kind of winter months. Yeah. And I think the way you said it is great. Like give all players you know, again, and I'll say it like the elite level players don't have to do this. Nobody says that, oh, every event you have to play. And I see it as like, especially with the way they're rolling it out, where it's the 2022, 2023, it, it isn't being treated this way, but it's like a preseason in the NFL or like spring warm up in the MLB, yeah. right? It's kind of that feeling of like you can get in an event and have fun and do it. It reminds me of college football. They have their season in the fall. And then they, if you're really good, you finish up in like early Feb or early mid January. I don't even remember when the national championship is, but then they have spring mm-hmm. football um, because they're, they're students and they're in the school year and they have like a spring game and then they finish up in like late April and then they have a good chunk of the summer off before they get there early. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. a weird season where your preseason's almost like kind of close to the end of your season, uh, which is interesting. I don't know if I love it. I kind of like to see a championship take a two months off, then start the season really early. And if some people want to wait to play those, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> so moving on a little bit here, it's interesting because I just want to hit some of these points that they talk about. First of all, before they released this list, they had a paragraph that said, while there will be a follow-up announcement to confirm the complete disc golf pro tour schedule for 2022, including all-star weekend, 
which we can only hope it's going to be even better than last year. <laughs> last year was l- lacking in my opinion. It was good for a first year. I'm not <laughs> knocking their attempt at it, but like it's going to get better. Uh, the disc golf pro tour match play championship. So that's back in the final silver series schedule. So there's more silver series to come. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I think, I mean, maybe potentially depending on, um, I don't know, maybe just scheduling, per- um, scheduling, reasons why they haven't announced them yet. I don't know if there's going to be too many more, but I think what's kind of crazy is like, this is the list that I'm looking at right now is literally just all A tiers and silver series events. And there are so many of them along with the elite series events in this one too, but there are so many big events that, you know, we've talked about this. You could be the weekend warrior and just run around and play A tiers everywhere. And especially wow. a majority of A tiers are playing, paying over a thousand bucks to $2,000 to sometimes $3,000 at some events. I mean, I definitely think there is, you know, a benefit. Wasn't that the Chris Dickerson model for a while? Exactly. I mean, look at, I mean, Chris dominated the Tennessee, the Carolinas and the surrounding States. And same thing with like Cam Cole Glazier, Matty O, Scott Withers out in Oregon. Now Cole Radalin out in Oregon. I mean, these players can go and just murder everyone at these B tiers, A tiers and get a ton of experience. Clearly they're getting better at disc golf while they're doing it and then go out and try to make your name for yourself on the road. And I think Chris Dickerson is one of the best people to do that, who dominated his local region and then went out the road. He's got a major win. He's got elite series wins. I mean, it's huge. I think disc golf's getting to a very good place when it's coming to all these tournaments. And now even look at B tiers, like the Blue Ridge tour, um, the Blue Ridge disc golf tour, that foundation has been running this year in partnership with blue check, blue chip technologies. Um, the first place at one of the events got like $800 and $900 and that was just a B tier. And so I, I don't know. I mean, disc golf's getting to a very cool place, whether it's on your local scene or on the professional scene. And like you were just talking about the all-star break, I'm pretty sure Jeff has mentioned this on previous podcast episodes that we did with him, but and I could be wrong, but did he say that that is also probably happening in Florida? Do you guys remember that? What was happening in Florida? Oh, the all-star The next, next year's all-star. Event. Yeah. Originally that was where it was going to be. And then they had to mm-hmm. move it. I, it was kind of not a last minute thing, but the way COVID happened and everything coming together, they moved it. Yeah. So I don't know. That would be really interesting too. That is going to be announced. The details of that. Um, a yeah. few other things that they said here, they talk about the point structure. Um, let's just talk about, it. it says differences between silver and elite. They're referring it to it as elite by the way too. So we'll keep calling it elite disc golf pro tour events. Tour standards generally. So the Silver Series is A tier versus what they're calling Elite Series. They have different media coverage plans. So as we know, Elite Series uh, had all their rounds covered live with post-production for, they specify it out, FPO, MPO, um, one, two, and whatever. Uh, But Silver Series only gets, um, actually, this is what's interesting. 2022 media plan coverage for Silver Series is going to be released in December. So we don't know. Are they going to do live? What do you guys think? It, it should live stay for a silver series event. Any, any comments on that? All right, Evan, you go first this time. <laughs> well, what if I want you to go first? Uh, I, I can't. No, I, no, I no, 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 no. I'm just joking. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty indifferent on it. I, I like having uh live on the final day. I think it was good that they did the final day. I think all three days, I, I don't think we're quite there yet to have all three days. Maybe we are, but, um, I, I didn't think it was bad at all to have live. I thought it was exciting. You still get to have that live feel. You get in the 
remembering, hey, like final day to day live. So when the Elite Series do come, it's just in your brain. Um, but at the same time, like some of these events like Masters Cup and Beaver State Fling, like they're not the best set up for live based on cell coverage. Although Masters Cup, I heard there's like talks on maybe it'll be at the golf course, which has better coverage the final day and is better for I spectators. Hope not. Okay. Um, <laughs> but if those are not live and they are post-production and maybe some are live, some are not, um, I think it's a good way to highlight post-production to say, you know, this is the way to watch it. And sometimes that is okay. You know, we'll still talk about it live. Um, so I'll just follow up then by saying, and I, we talked in full disclosure, we talked a little bit about this before we went live tonight. So some of this is rehashing it, but asking the question, are we separating the, the status for the fan? And does that matter? Should we separate the status even more to say, hey, there's no live at Silver Series. Um, we're trying to put all of our prioritize, prioritizing for fans even to focus on our Elite Series. Is that something they should do or should it? It doesn't matter. Like, hey, we don't care. We want the fans to watch everything. So if we can live everything, then that's what we do. The only reason I bring that up is because pros tend to, to say how they rate an event as whether or not they might go play it in a lot of ways is by the media coverage even. So like, is live a big deal? Should, should they keep it? What, what do you think it's going to look like, Nick? Um, so my personal take on it would be that I don't think there's going to be live at silver series events this year, uh, or excuse me, next season. And the reason I say that is because the disc golf pro tour just took over the national tour, uh, or they became partners. And so they're running all the events, they're doing film coverage at all the elite series events with the disc golf network. I think there's so many big events happening this year that they really want to focus on making those. Uh Oh, Nick just froze up. So I'm going to give him a minute, but to complete that, complete that thought process. I even saw someone in the chat say, it's great to see new players. Here's my thought on releasing a product and I'll get your thought. If I'm going to release a product, me, Matt Graham, I'm going to develop it. I'm going to work on something. Um, I only want to release it like the best I can. I felt like the Silver Series production, and this is on purpose. They did it on purpose, but it was a lower tier grade. Not because of the players than competitors. I'm saying like actually lower tier. They, no offense to anybody, they did not bring in their best commentators. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that was on purpose. Um, the way they produced it. I don't think they had as many cameras there. It just had a different feeling to the production. So I guess my point is if they're going to do it, I feel like they should be all in same quality, no matter what, whether it's silver series or not, as far as the production goes. So what do you think? Evan? Yeah, I I get your point. Um, I think it, the silver series, I I mean, I thought the, the camera wise, I thought the production seemed normal as it always was. I think, you know, their announcers were commentators were, they were trying new people to, I mean, get practice in the same way that players play Silver Series. Hold on a second. We did this before. The internet is buffering. I can't oh, believe this. Man, this is the second week in a row. <clears throat> so we're still recording, which means that if people are checking in, they're still hearing us. I don't know when it's coming back. Did the internet crash for good? I don't know. <laughs> Let's see if we can call it. audio for the last five minutes. Yep. <laughs> Calling Nick. Oh, Nick was in the chat. All right, let's get back into this. So, are we back live? (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Interesting. So I have no idea. Like, are we live? We're we not. Everything's starting to catch up. Like, I feel like I'm watching the chat like late and the stream late, but we are recording and we are live. I'm pretty sure we're getting there. We so, are. Yeah, I'm watching us on YouTube right now. I've been hanging out with the chat the last ten minutes. Not gonna lie, having an absolute blast with everybody. So just want to shout out to like Bailey, Adam, um, Brian, Ken Chapman, Dodd. <laughs> I've been talking with all of them. This and is like we're chilling. Sixty-five episodes in. This is the first time that we've officially had a crash, like full-blown. I said, "Well, put everything on mute." I guess we've got to just sit here and yeah. figure it out. So, like, we did that. I took care of it. A simple reset. Like, you know, you go unplug things and you plug them back in. Don't know why it happened tonight, but it did. So here's what we're going to do. I don't know where it started stuttering and like ending exactly, but it was on the Silver Series talk with live coverage. Evan was giving his point and I cut yes. him off. And it was, let's generally wrap I've, up the conversation on it. Yeah, yes, Nick I was, was giving my point. That's right. So Nick, I don't know, I don't know where, where we ended. So I'm going to kind of, yeah, I'm going to kind of just start it from the beginning and right. I'll make it brief and quick. But I was saying how I don't think Pro Tour events uh, excuse me, Silver Series events next year will have live coverage. I think because the Pro Tour is running so many events and the Disc Golf Network will be going to so many different places that they're mainly going to focus on the Elite Series events and trying to make the absolute best experience for the fans and the players at those events. Um, like you were saying, I think in the future, the top-level pros wanting to be going to the Silver Series events. So I think that's something that they are trying to focus on. And I had, I feel like one more reason why I thought that but at the same time, I can't think of it right now. So that is generally my take on it. Well, that was a good take. And it's so funny because in my head, I'm like, I don't know how much Evan and I talked about on, on air, but I'm assuming when we lost you, we must have lost most of it. So that's when, yeah, I'm pretty sure when I was talking, that uh, is when all of a sudden I was like, oh, I froze. And I thought it was on my side of it. And for once, Evan it's not. Me, so yeah, exactly. Um, I was like, that's fine, though. For those, you know, listening, not live, you're listening on your podcast. Just know we just had an exciting time. Nick held down the live chat. I ran upstairs and reset the internet and Evan continued to just talk to himself down in the basement. No, <laughs> no, but Evan, we were talking and because I don't know what was captured or what wasn't captured, we were talking about the value of live. Okay. And does it help the silver series or, and this is interesting, or does it hurt the elite series? Because if you have the same different tier status, but you put the same focus as far as media goes on it, is that good for the fans? Is that bad for the event? It's obviously not bad for Silver Series. What, what's your take on uh, live coverage for Silver Series? Yeah, I, I think calling it a Silver Series is enough to kind of distinguish it from Elite Series. Um, I, I don't know if this was cut off when we were out, but you're saying like commentators, that it's a different commentating crew, and I think that's totally fine. Um, just like the players are going to, you're not going to see all the big names. You're going to see a lot of like kind of high mid-tier players who could win any event, but much higher on the silver series and so the commentators are kind of same deal it's not your top tier every week announcers but they're still very good and they're just kind of trying to get them more work in to get to that level um i i think it'd still be great to see live i think the final day only is is a great um is a great way to do it mm -hmm. sure and uh, i think it'll also yeah. be you know kind of big for the whole post round debate and post round versus live post round and live at events um pretty much the only way that if i watched the full silver series at any events earlier this year was post round production for the first round or two and then watching live on the final day um i didn't really keep too too 
much with the Silver Series events besides for, I think, was Belton one last year or was that a national tour? Ooh, I think I it was remember. a Silver Series. If it was a Belton. Silver Series, then I do remember watching, like, religiously watching UDISC live and then um, post-round production just to see how everything went because that, that was the course that had that one, like, really, really stupid hole throughout the woods and there was like <laughs> a three a or four five. part backup on it. Yeah, that's yeah. really, really bad par five or something. That you could easily two, but Yuli, also Yuli two day, yeah. right? And it made yeah, it was yeah. a highlight or something. And then it was kinda but it had like a massive backup to it. Um yeah. anyways. So I would have never seen that hole had I not watched the final day of live, but had I not watched post round production. So anyways, um, right. I think that's kind of my take on it. And moving from that topic which again i feel it's just weird to me i'm like what did we talk about we don't know it went yeah. frozen we have yeah. no idea sorry if that was jumbled up everybody um but evan brought up a cool last closing out topic nick we brought this up on our show i want to say it was at the end of last season and we talked about yuli doing a i'll call it a tv show or a youtube segment he said he was going to get it hosted somewhere and it was called Scratch to Scratch. And he put out a pilot video, which was like, help the average Joe play and win like a tournament or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Get better. Mm -hmm. Did you get a chance to watch that, Evan or Nick? Yeah, I watched the first two episodes. Uh, they're, they aired the first two episodes and then they're slowly releasing them, I think, every week. I'm actually not sure the schedule. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Super, super good quality. Uh, like, feels like you're watching like a normal segment on, on any sports channel. Um, and it's, it's really, I mean, it's obviously teaching someone, um, from not playing many rounds to being a scratch golfer is the plan. So I think there's a lot of good lessons for everyone to, to get from it too. And I mean, I think Yuli's a great guy to have be the teacher. He's fun and engaging to the uh, viewers. Then I will also say the person who is the new one, that's the new player to disc golf. He's very good on television. He's a, um, a football analyst. His name's Oh my gosh. I was just looking at it. Trevor Sikama, I think. Um, he's super well-spoken on TV. He's like, you know, not scared of the camera. Um, he's like, you know, an athletic dude who could probably play sports. So he's, you know, kind of picking up things, but he's still not great at disc golf because he's just starting. So you get to see that process happen. I think it's, I think it's awesome. It'd be really cool to see someone uh, like him uh, get better. I'm going to check it out. People are asking where can they find it here? I'll pull it full screen. It's up on my hat. Oh, my hat's so dirty. Disc Golf Network. Uh, it's a great place to find some quality content. Uh, I'm going to go check it out just based off of even your referral to it. I haven't seen it yet, and it sounds really great. Yeah, if if you canceled your DGN subscription because it was the end of the season, like <laughs> not, Oops, try, yeah. not trying to get them subscriptions. I mean, that I think Whoops. that is great, but <laughs> you should get back on it if you never did DGN because you just watch post. Like, I mean, one, you can watch post the USDGC soon. Uh, and then, but otherwise like to watch this, uh, um, series or sh show, I don't know what to call it exactly. Uh, it's phenomenal. I would definitely watch it. Yeah. Someone in the chat said they could have been done a better job marketing that. I don't disagree. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I don't think I just ca started catching drift of it because I actually have like a moderator role and that's not my actual role on DGN, but I do a show on there. So I started seeing some like comments getting moderated or something. And I'm like, what is this scratch to scratch? So yeah, I mean, I, that's how I came across it. But anyways, 
Um, Nick, I think we kind of made it. We talked about quite a bit, and this was supposed to be a shorter show, but we had a crash in there, and we talked about some good stuff. That's and it. Nick's busy it, with it never ends up. Yeah. yeah. Nick, do you have any announcements to make? Do you have anything you want to talk about, or just? I have. All? I have some very cool things in the works okay. right now. Okay. Um, I am not going to talk okay. about them just yet. And it's funny. I actually was not going to bring anything up until I solidified everything because I hate it when people say like, oh my God, check back in in a month. I got a huge <laughs> announcement because it, like I did it for like, you. Yeah. A ton of streamers that I watch, they always do that. And then a month goes by. And if I don't consistently watch them, I totally forget that they have this big announcement. Uh, but anyways, I do have some really cool things in the works um, that is going to be beneficial for me getting out more on the road next year. But anyways, so, here oh, we go. Yeah. Matt, Matt brought it up. Had Matt not brought it up, I'd never be saying any of this. Right I now. was teasing it for you. Now they like, they want, they're like, oh, dang, like they want to know now, Nick. But that's good. So Nick's working yeah. really hard in the world of disc golf. I'll put it that way from what I understand. And um, we're going to do an after show, not live, not streaming, where we all talk the disc golf goods is what we're going to do after the show. We're going we're to talk about the secrets I can't share on the show yet. Oh, we all, all got secrets. All right, Nick, I think we've made it to that point. Let's go ahead. And Kent Chapman, tell us. Yeah. <laughs> screaming. All right, Nick, what do you got? I mean, let's um, close this out. Actually, I will say oh, this. Right. I am very close to finishing up what I think is a pretty sweet logo for myself. So be on the lookout for that because I am going to tease that one out probably in the next week or two. So anyway, sweet but, logo. Yeah, I think it's sweet. All right. I hope other people think it's sweet. I think it's cool. And I feel like that's something that kind of matters in the song is I think it's cool. Um, and my mom said it's kind of cool. So really, it's kind of perfect. Um, anyways, to everyone that tuned in tonight live, thank you so much. Sorry about the crash earlier. Technology sometimes really sucks. Um, to everyone watching post or listening post, I'm sure Matt will have it edited perfectly to where you don't even know that we crashed, except our conversation is going to go from one spot to another one. Anyways, go ahead. Click the uh, like button on this page. Comment, subscribe, do all that. I had a blast hanging out with the chat tonight. Um, leave reviews on the other podca podcast platforms if you can. Tell someone you love them this week, and we will catch you in the next one. Nick, Evan, you guys are awesome. Peace out. The Nick and Matt Show. A disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.